This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. Regardless whoever wins the White House, we are facing serious geopolitical and economic challenges that could lead to the next great financial crisis. You need a recognized safe haven asset for your portfolio and IRA, and that asset is gold. Call Goldline and add physical gold to your portfolio or IRA at 800-913-GOLD. Goldline, been helping people diversify their portfolio with gold for over 55 years. Rated A-plus by the BDB. Read Goldline's important risk information, but do it now, because crazy times are coming. 800-913-GOLD. 800-913-GOLD. Boy, oh boy, where do we even start? Uh, Hillary's IT guy that has pleaded the fifth. Um, but now Reddit has exposed. I mean, it's not proof positive. But it sure is pretty bad circumstantial evidence that uh, she should be in jail. And so should he. Should we start there or should we start with... The WikiLeaks conf- uh, confirmation now that Hillary was selling weapons uh, to ISIS. Gee, uh, something that we told you about, <laughs> what, four years ago? Or that the DHS accidentally granted citizenship to over 800 illegal immigrants. Oops. Or Oopsie daisies. Or we could start with the Navy is requiring all sailors to undergo transgender education by July of next year. What a, what a cornucopia. <laughs> it really is. I Welcome to it. It's a new and different world. <laughs> and we begin there right now. I will make a stand. I will raise my voice. I will hold your hand. Cause we have one. I will beat my drum. I have made my choice. We will overcome. Cause we are one. The fusion of entertainment and enlightenment. This is the Glenn Beck Program. I'm telling you right now, if Hillary Clinton is elected, she will either um, retire due to health uh, or she will be impeached her first term. This is all mounting. You know what this feels like? This feels like... um, uh, Watergate, the election right before the Watergate scandal. Remember, Pat, you were old enough to remember, Watergate felt just like this. Everybody knew he had done something wrong, but his own supporters were arguing, there's no proof of this, he, there's no way he did that. It's, move on, you're just trying to, whatever. You go on a limb and say that, uh, that she does not carry 49 states, however. <laughs> like did he Nixon. carry 49 states? Yeah, right, wasn't it 49? Yeah, 49 states. It's 49 states against McGovern, right? Or 72? Yeah. Uh, yeah, he lost, uh, he lost Massachusetts. Wow. And uh, D.C. Right. So she's not going to carry the 49 states. She won't be as popular as Nixon was. Actually, not, not D.C. <laughs> Sorry. It was, uh, there was that one un, uh, unfaithful elector or whatever that, the, that voted for the Libertarian in that election. But it was, it was, uh, mm. it was a blowout. <laughs> Let's, yeah. uh, electoral count 520 to 17. Okay. Holy cow. That's amazing. Holy cow. Good thing he broke into the hotel to find out his campaign strategy. (laughs) (laughs) You couldn't beat that guy. (laughs) Wow, that was razor thin. Yeah, Yeah. Massachusetts and D.C., that's it. 
And and we even do have we even do have uh, you know Russia hacking in to find her tra- campaign strategy. This is 1972 all over again, and she's not going to make it. Look at the scandals that are coming out today. By the way, more on the IRS scandal too. Did you see this? Democratic um, uh, documents now have been uh, leaked where Democratic senators were saying, how can we not just go arrest these guys? we got to go arrest these Tea Party people. And it was a conversation between senators and the IRS. Why can't you go out and get these guys? Jeez. I mean, it's bad. Okay, so um, let's see. Tell me how she survives. We'll put the DHS scandal off to the side here. Tell me how she survives just these two. Just these two. Because remember, the press hates her. Once you have Donald Trump out of the way, this is the press's thinking. Once you have Donald Trump out of the way, they don't like her. They will, she will be the bad guy. Mm-hmm. She will be the bad guy. She will not be able to get anything done. Nothing. Listen to this. Hillary's IT guy uh, wouldn't, wouldn't talk to Congress, but now Reddit has posts that they say are his. And it's circumstantial evidence, but the circumstantial evidence is pretty, uh, pretty amazing. Uh, let's see. We're in Weird Times 2016. This is Reddit. It was only about a month ago before her collapse at the 9-11 event that asking about Hillary Clinton's health put one firmly in the deplorable conspiracy theorist basket, um, at least according to many in the mainstream media. Um, uh, so it's best to tread lightly when approaching the news uh, that Paul Combetta, a technician with Hillary's IT provider, Platte River Networks, left behind a few incriminating crumbs on the net, net uh, and the internet, ironically, when asking about how to cover someone else's tracks. <laughs> Have you heard this? One way not to cover your tracks is to post on a public forum about Oh, my tracks. gosh. <laughs> hey, can somebody help me out? <laughs> uh, let's just say, uh, for now, that U.S. and News World Report has taken an interest, as has Major Garrett of CBS News, U.S. News staff writer Stephen Nelson notes the request matched neatly with publicly known dates related to Clinton's use of a private email server while Secretary of State. Um, How soon before the cable and broadcast networks pick up the story? Never? Reddit calls itself the front page of the Internet, which might sound like an empty boast for those not familiar with the site. It's a huge discussion board covering every topic in existence, It's ugly as sin with uh, none of the candy-colored buttons or graphical trappings of a Web 2.0 or whatever web now we're on, which makes it a paradise for computer nerds and geeks of all stripes. Ask anything and someone will answer. Some are claiming to have evidence that Combata, who is reportedly the technician who, oops, obliterated Hillary Clinton's email archive using BleachBit software, and then pleaded the fifth before the House Oversight Committee last week, popped onto a Reddit discussion board in 2014 to ask how to remove or replace, this is quoting, the to and from address on archived emails. A lot of theory depends on attaching Combetta to the username Stone Tear. Is it Stone Tear or Tear? Um, But it looks like Internet detectives have now done just that. 
a good thing people captured screens while they could. It looked like Stone Tears' Reddit history has been wiped, like, with a cloth or something. Um, and, and in real time, as they were discovering this. So, like, people were like, wait a minute, is this the guy? And starting to talk about it. And then they, the, as they were doing it, they would, they would refresh the screen and there'd be less posts this guy had because he was deleting them as they were doing it. That's how, and, and, you know, and the circumstantial evidence is pretty interesting. Like, he had, this guy does have accounts on other websites with this name. You know, it's from a couple of years ago. Yep. Uh, and he, I He's, believe, has he, a house that is on the on that street. Right. And he is, um, uh, he went to a wedding with a friend. And uh, what is it? The, uh, let's see here. Um, this image confirms Stone Tier username, Hillary Paul Cabetta. He's granted immunity, blah, blah, blah. Um, but he was at a, he was like at a party of some sort. And it's him with a friend. And they're like, look how tall Stone Tear is. <laughs> uh, oops. Oops. You might want to be a little more clever with your names. Yeah, um, yeah. He also has an Etsy page. Yes, that's uh, right. So in case that's you right. want to ar- order arts right. and crafts, you can uh, apparently do that. Crocheting to sell. So what he did was... Didn't he say something about, I, I'm deleting for a very... He said, I am... person. Yes, too. I am... Uh, how do uh, I... Who's... who's I can't say anything, but whose husband used to be president <laughs> of another of a company. Here's the quote. I may be uh, facing a very interesting situation where I need to strip out a VIP, parentheses, very VIP in capitals, uh, email address from a bunch of archived email. She's a Democrat, and it's rumored she may run for president. <laughs> so ridiculous. I mean, it is almost... It is, uh, you could almost convince me this is a setup. Is this guy that stupid? Maybe. I mean, I, I don't know enough about Reddit to know if you could backdate posts. I would think the answer to that is no, no. or that would have been pointed out in all of these yes. articles. Yes. Um, but that's the only thing that really makes any sense. And it correlates. They, they the ask for something. Yeah, they ask for something. Uh, and uh, that day he goes on and posts it on Reddit. I mean, it, all of the dates, this is why U.S. News and World Report, this is what they're doing. They're noticing all of the dates fit exactly with, with him. Right, and, and th- this is the guy who had the, um, the OS moment. Uh, oh, crap yes. moment uh, in, uh, that, he, that has been described in the testimony. Um, and so in March 2015... He uh, had to implement a 60-day email retention policy, um, but he had he theoretically was supposed to do that earlier and forgot. Right. So later on, came to do it, and the dates with his posts about a 60-day email retention policy line up with when he initially posted about it. So, like, it was initially supposed to happen in December. He posted about it in December, but then forgot to do it until March. But he posted about it at the time when they were discussing it. And I don't, again, like, I don't know. Could a hacker do this? Go back? I don't and know. Do it? I don't know. Maybe. I, don't know. I just don't know the site well enough. But, uh, I mean, if it's, if these things exist, none of the media sources covering it or pointing it out. Like, if you could backdate posts or if you could go right. in and somehow manipulate the boards. Is, any, is, there anybody, is there anybody who is, you know, expert enough on this to be able to tell us, can you backdate stuff? You would think that that would have been one of the first things people would have said. Right. I, I got to imagine that's not true. Yeah. And, I, you know, 
it's 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 amazing because this is the guy who used bleach bit to get rid of these uh, right uh, and didn't he also do something on reddit about bleach bit don't know if that, I think that was his initial ask was about bleach bits. Um, how to how to remove. These I mean, this out. this is crazy. So this is all coming undone. Now let me give you uh, let me give you another one. Uh, to do to uh, now he's announcing that Hillary Clinton and her State Department. This is a political insider. Uh, WikiLeaks confirms that uh, Hillary sold weapons to ISIS. He's announcing now, insider, that Hillary Clinton and her State Department were actively arming Islamic jihadists, which includes the Islamic State in Syria. Clinton has repeatedly denied these claims, including during multiple statements while under oath in front of the United States Senate. WikiLeaks is about to prove that Hillary deserves to be arrested. Um, In Obama's second term, the Secretary of State authorized the shipment of American-made arms to Qatar, a country beholden to the Muslim Brotherhood, to the friendly Libyan rebels in an effort to topple the Libyan Gaddafi government and then ship those arms to Syria in order to fund Al-Qaeda and topple Assad in Syria. I just want you to know, this is exactly what we said they were doing four days after Benghazi. You remember? Mm -hmm. We said that they had American arms. They were trying to get all of those American arms back out of the hands of the people that they gave them to. And that's why they were there. They were making deals with warlords to try to get those arm, those armaments back. And then they were shipping them over to Syria through Turkey. Gee, who was right? Uh, Clinton uh, took the lead role in organizing the so-called Friends of Syria to back the CIA-led insurgency for regime change in Syria. That explains why they were being protected by the CIA and nobody else. Under oath, Hillary Clinton denied she knew about the weapon shipments. In an interview with Democracy Now!, WikiLeaks' Julian Assange is now stating that 1,700 emails contained in the Clinton cachet directly connect Hillary to Libya, to Syria, and directly to al-Qaeda and ISIS. Here's the transcript. Um, let's see here. Let me see if I can just get the Julian Assange. WikiLeaks has become the rebel library of Alexandria. It's the single most significant collection of information that doesn't exist elsewhere in searchable, accessible, citable form about how modern institutions actually behave. And it's going on to set people free from prison where documents have been used in their court cases to hold the CIA accountable for rendering programs, feed into election cycles, which have... Uh, resulted in the termination of some cases or contributed to the termination of governments, in some cases taken the heads of intelligence agencies, ministers of defense, and so on. So you know, our civilizations can only be good as a knowledge of what our civilization is. We can't possibly hope to reform what we don't understand. So those Hillary Clinton emails, they connect together with the cables that we have published of Hillary Clinton, creating a rich picture of how Hillary Clinton performs in office, but more broadly how the U.S. Department of State operates. For example, the disastrous, absolutely disastrous intervention in Libya, the destruction of the Gaddafi government, which led to the occupation of ISIS, of large segments of that country, weapons flows going over to Syria, being pushed by Hillary Clinton into jihadists within Syria, including ISIS. That's there in the emails. There's more than 1,700 emails in Hillary Clinton's collections that we have released just about Libya alone. How does she survive? Well, I mean, in like normal circumstances, right, the Democrats just gets coverage from the news or gets, you know, they lay down cover and, and they survive from and the media. And they're going to lay down cover for the next 50 days. Yes. Once that's over, 
once the boogeyman is gone, she has no more cover. I'm telling you, if she wins, she's a one-term president that is either impeached or leaves because of health reasons. You're looking at President Kane. She won't be impeached. I don't think. Uh, I think it will mount and she will do exactly what Nixon did. She won't want to be... Both Clintons being impeached from office? No way. Yeah, they wouldn't want that. They would not want that. It's over. And And that's not even counting the Clinton global initiative. That thing is so dirty, they haven't even started on that yet. Do people care? Yes, they do. Do anybody care? Yes. You think they do? Yes, I do. I think, I think not now, not now, because we're in the mm-hmm. political fog of war. Mm-hmm. But once, once the, um, the like press Like if she is, wins, you think they will care? Yes, they will. Because they will like Kane more than Hillary. They don't like Hillary, and they'll want her to pay a price. And They're Bill, not going to let her get away with it. Bill already explained the foundation issue, right? I mean, people did give money. They probably expected to get some kind of influence, but... Hey, the State Department, uh, he expected the State Department to do what was right. <laughs> <laughs> of course he did. Right. Of course he did. And he they were expecting right. him to do right. Yeah. And, <laughs> and now this. When it comes to protecting your family and your property, you have a choice. You can choose a system with a long-term contract from a huge company, or you can be with Simply Safe. With Simply Safe, you get the best protection. It's like having a personal bodyguard in front of your home, stopping anybody who's going to want to harm your family. It's easy to use. It is completely wireless, and you own the system. It's got glass break, entry, motion sensors. You can have uh, the um, carbon monoxide sensors if you want, fire sensors. You design it. Monthly monitoring is $14.99 a month, no long-term contract. Protect your home, protect your business the smart way. It's with simplysafebeck.com. Go to simplysafebeck.com. Go there now. You'll get free shipping on your order, and you'll also get a, a keychain remote. That's simplysafebeck.com. That's simplysafebeck.com. The fusion of entertainment and enlightenment. This. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Mercury. Regardless, whoever wins the White House, we are facing serious geopolitical and economic challenges that could lead to the next great financial crisis. You need a recognized safe haven asset for your portfolio and IRA, and that asset is gold. Call Goldline and add physical gold to your portfolio or IRA at 800-913-GOLD. Goldline, been helping people diversify their portfolio with gold for over 55 years. Rated A-plus by the BDB. Read Goldline's important risk information, but do it now, because crazy times are coming. 800-913-GOLD. 800-913-GOLD. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Go to Tommy in Texas. He's a uh, he's a Reddit user. I don't want to pass him off as a Reddit ex- expert by any stretch. Uh, Tommy, how are you? Good, good. Thanks for having me. So let's talk about Reddit and let's let's clarify something. So it wasn't Reddit 
that broke this story. It was the subreddit, the Donald. Okay. And the Donald is sort of like the bane of the existence for all of Reddit because Reddit is very left wing. Yes. The Donald obviously supports Donald Trump. And I wouldn't say that they're extremely conservative, but they point out the things that the left wing people don't want to be pointed out. Uh, And so some Mm. users figured out that this, this guy stoned here had posted about how do I delete these emails, and it coincided perfectly with the time frame of Hillary Clinton and everything that's going on. But then the Donald, the moderators had to pull those two links because they considered it doxing. And doxing is when you reveal someone's identity on the Internet. Until it was public knowledge, it was considered doxing. So then I think the Gateway Pundit ran a story about it. So then it was, then it was public knowledge so that it can be reposted. But it's not a setup, Glenn. I heard you say this sounds like a setup that's too good to be true. Basically, what this guy did, it would be like if Stu went on Reddit and created a, a, a name called Stu Bird. And then over the years, he <laughs> complained about his boss, who's a radio host, and he hates, he hates <laughs> his guts. He hates his guts. And then it comes out two years later, hey, wait a second, Stu Berg, I think this is the guy that works for Glenn Beck. And then Stu figures out, it hits the news, Stu figures out, oh, no, everybody can see my comments, and he goes through and he starts deleting his comments. Well, if you're checking someone's user history and you refresh every once in a while, you can see those comments get deleted and get deleted and get deleted. And that's basically what this guy did. And it's almost like Hillary hired the amateur hour for a tech guy. I mean... It's it, it, it's wow. mind boggling. All right, wow, Tommy, thank you very much for really that interesting. Uh, update. Yeah, I mean, really interesting. It's crazy. You don't survive this after the election. You'll survive the election. After the election, you do not survive what's coming her way. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Mercury. I, I don't think, you know, um, who was it said uh, to me the other day that uh, they thought Bill Clinton had a big, was it yesterday on yesterday's show, a guest we had? Somebody said Bill Clinton's going to have a big, he's, they've got a big October surprise. Uh, I don't think so. You know, I, mean, I, don't. I, I never put anything past the Clintons, but I mean. I, I wouldn't either, but I think, I don't, I don't think one that Russia and WikiLeaks is going to be able to not outdo. <laughs> no. They're pretty good at that. Yeah. Uh, they seem to be pretty good at that game. Yeah. I mean, it's funny because it seems like Trump is at some level of immunity towards, you know, these sort of big accusations. And he might because be able to pull through something. Because big. we're playing the game of uh, not them. This is, this is, this is going to come to the chickens are going to come home to roost in 2020. If you think that the Republicans are going to be safe in 2020, no one's going to be safe in 2020. No one is going to be safe in 2020. Do you think that Donald Trump could have, could have been the candidate in 2012? No. No. 
do you think, and you kind of said that, no. Let me ask you this. Could he have been the candidate in 2008? No. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely not, okay? Probably not. I don't think so, but maybe, but I don't think so in 2012. We didn't even think he was going to do it in 16. Didn't think we could do it in 16. Right. By 20, by 20, um, there is no GOP candidate and no Democratic candidate, I believe, that will satiate what people want. I think these two parties are coming undone. And you're seeing it now. Where, where are the millennials going? They're not going to Clinton. They know these, are, they know these things are lies. And we, we say that the millennials are, um, uh, they're lazy. Oh, they're just a bunch of socialists. Well, first of all, they have had nothing but indoctrination their entire life. We didn't know how deep the schools were indoctrinating. We didn't realize how deep um, these, these lies were being um, fed and planted in them. We didn't realize this until the last 10 years, probably the last five, to where we were like, holy cow, what has happened? It has been rotting on the vine for a very long time. And we just assumed through assimilation or through osmosis that they were going to come and have the same kind of view that we have. I saw a poll yesterday that the, the young millennials, the next generation coming up, is more conservative than their parents, than some of the conservative parents. There is a new thing that is happening. They just don't believe in the system. They don't believe in the justice system, the government system. They don't believe in the UN. They don't believe in politicians. They don't believe in any of it. They don't believe in the media. And why should they? Why should they? And I contend the Democrats are going to be in more trouble in the long run because the Democrats are the ones who have been feeding them this garbage. And once they start to figure it out, assuming that someone is smart enough to get away from the parties and smart enough to start speaking their language, and I don't know how to speak their language, but speak their language and get into where they live and say, look, this is, this is we know who you are. We know you want to learn. We know you want to know the truth. Don't trust me. Don't trust me. Don't trust anybody. You're smart enough to do your own homework. Now go find these things. I bet you didn't know about this. I bet you didn't know about this. When you pique somebody's curiosity, they start to go down a wormhole. And you can find enough millennials that are curious and enough millennials that get it. And once you get, once you get, 20% of millennials to start thinking differently. This is why libertarianism needs to get away from the, excuse the expression, mental masturbation of the French philosophers and start getting into applied libertarianism. Yeah, one of my favorite uh, quotes, I don't don't even know who said it, but it it was fairly recent, and it was, um, the, the free market, it's like Uber for everything. 
Yes. And that's exactly what it is. Yes. And it's fine. They get that. They get that. That's, and that's applied. Right. That's to talk about these great French philosophers. They don't care. Well, I don't this, care. Would you say the same thing about the founders? I mean, couldn't you say yes. make the same? Yes. Yeah, I mean, uh, and that's our problem. We've been speaking the language of the founders. They don't care because they've been taught they're racist, they're, um, uh, they're corrupt, they're old white men, that this isn't an important document anymore. And then they see that what we're doing is what they started. And they're like, I don't want any of that. This is better, I'm told, than what it was. I don't want any of that. We haven't found a way. We're, they're talking climate change. They're speaking directly to their heart. They didn't grow up thinking that climate change was real. They were taught that. Now, how were they taught that? They were taught that in, by speaking to their heart. You're good. You're decent. You know what you know what you know things al gore you know things that your parents don't know now listen you know that climate change is good and here are all these stars that are telling us too and you look up to those stars and what are we doing we're shouting them down while being painted as conspiracy theorists and the old guys who like the who is afraid their culture is going to be gone because we're all white, which is all the white guys in the white wigs in that old dusty document, and we're talking about French philosophers or American philosophy, which they don't relate to at all because they've never had the foundation that was built in our generation. They don't have that. When we talk about love for country, I was just talking to an 18-year-old girl. She was on my set last week. Super smart unbelievably smart and um she came in she believes a lot of the same things that we believe but she's like i don't relate to you guys i don't relate to what you guys are talking about first of all you guys are so pessimistic you're so pessimistic Mm -hmm. no i i understand that but remember what we were like when we were 20 when we were 20 when you're 20 you never think you're going to die when you're 20, you still think you can change the world. There is, there is, and this is talked about in the fourth turning, that it is our generation that is the key, that if our generation wakes up and realizes that we are supposed to activate the hero generation, we're the broker between the hippies and the heroes. We're supposed to be the reasonable generation that we were, we were latchkey kids when we were growing up. We were forgotten when we were growing up. And, you know, our moms were out finding themselves in women's lib and blah, 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 blah. <laughs> and, you know, this generation was the generation that said, I can have everything. And so we had to fend pretty much for ourselves in some way. And at the end of our life, the cycle shows that we are the generation that will have to fend for ourselves again. We're the crossover generation, the hippie generation. What happens in this generation, and it happened in World War II, it goes from the hippie generation, and in that case, it was those who brought Woodrow Wilson to power, all those, all those great dreamers that brought that to power. They were aging out um, it, during the Great Depression, And it was the next generation that grew up in the 20s 
that had lost their view of capitalism. They had seen the good times, but then it was all discredited, and they were the ones that stepped up and fought. But what had to happen was the middle generation had to convince the older generation, step aside, step aside. And that's exactly what happened if you read the book called Freedom's Forge. The guy who, um, um, FDR, was shutting down all of America's might because he believed in, in that time, the hippie stuff. He believed in, you know, fascism, in state-controlled everything. And so he was punishing these companies. And uh, a guy in, in our generation was called to the White House because he was the guy who knew how to build. He's the guy, not Harold, uh, Henry Ford. He was the guy who actually designed the, um, uh, what do you call it, the assembly line. Okay? It was in Henry Ford's factory, but Henry Ford, the reason why Ford failed two or three times before is because he couldn't get the assembly line to work. This guy was a structural engineer. This guy knew. He was like, okay, well, you're doing it wrong. And so he designed the assembly line. That's who FDR, who FDR had crucified in the press. That's the guy who finally said, I have to go to work for FDR when he called. And his family said, Dad, are you nuts? He's been trying to destroy you. He said, the country comes first. And if I have to be destroyed, then so be it. But it was him brokering a deal and said to FDR, you got to stop right now. You have to stop. I'll do this, but you have to give me control so we can give the armaments to the young. FDR didn't want to do it, but it was somebody from our generation that brokered the deal. That's our job again. Our job is to broker the deal and activate the, the millennial generation. And I think we're failing to do it. And in the fourth turning, it says, if this generation fails to activate and realize if every generation doesn't understand its role, the older to let go, ours to broker the deal and activate the hero and the hero to stand up, it fails. We just have to know our roles. Uh, this is, I think, where you make your money in that uh, I, don't, I don't feel the optimism here. Um, I mean, I'm at that point where I, like, I assume that our next president is a Kardashian. The question is, can we get Courtney? Because I think Courtney <laughs> yes. would be a much better president than Kim or Chloe, to be perfectly honest. And you know, she seems to be the most balanced of the group. Uh, she's, I think, the, most, the, the prettiest as well. Uh, and if we're going to have someone on TV all the time, I think that's this should, should be our target. So it should be Kim. Uh, no, no, oh, uh, no, uh, Courtney. Courtney. Uh, so I'm going to go Courtney. Well, Court, I like Kim because Kim took four thousand pictures in the last few days because she's earning her money. She's she posted four thousand pictures in like I don't know how many well, days. I mean, that's her job. She's a capitalist. She, yeah, oh she boy, understand she is. that system. Yeah. So I mean, this is a good debate. I, I think that we can have which the whole family. Do we take Just get the whole family? I mean, and we might have the best one might be Caitlyn Jenner. Let's be honest about it. I that know. could be the Republican candidate. And now this economic bubbles eventually burst. Natural disasters are to be expected, and a job is never guaranteed. I don't know why I have been talking to you about this for. Uh, so many years, and I've been talking to you about, you know, the natural disasters and everything else, but I feel so compelled to talk to you about jobs are never guaranteed. 
that the world is going to change, and it is not going to be, I hope, um, we're not necessarily going to start at a place where you can't buy any food. Now, maybe there's a banking holiday, and you're going to need some food for a few days until the banks open back up. Um, But it could just be we're going into a depression, or I'm sorry, a recession. You could lose your job. You could have your hours cut back. You could just be struggling. This is where my Patriot Supply comes in. And I keep relating this to when I was a kid, we had powdered milk because we couldn't afford milk. That saved us money. That's what my Patriot Supply can do for you. By having a year's worth, a month worth of food, you're not going to eat the whole thing necessarily, hopefully not. It's just to supplement the meals because you've fallen on hard times. Right now, um, they have a $99 offer. You'll save 54%, a hundred and forty adult servings of food, 140 adult servings of food. That's a full four week supply for $99 limit four per caller. They've opened it up to four per caller. Nice. Really nice. So for under $400, four months of food for one person or one month of food for a family of four, call 800-200-7163, 800-200-7163 or online with preparewithglenn.com. That's preparewithglenn.com. Glenn Beck Program. 888-727-BECK. Mercury. Man, I am so excited for the new season of uh, the television program. Tonight is part two of Edison and Tesla. Every Tuesday is uh, is a show called His Story, and it's uh, Tesla and Edison. If you watched last week, it is even better. This episode is even better uh, than last week's. Um, and you can catch up. You can find it on theblaze.com. Uh, or you can find it at glenbeck.com. But tonight at 5 o'clock, the only place you'll be able to see it is the blaze.com uh, slash TV. You can watch it on your cable subscriber or on the Internet if you're a subscriber to the blaze.com slash TV. Um, and then tomorrow is the premiere episode, the pilot episode of uh, The Vault. Uh, and it is the episode where we were moving everything into The Vault. And so you'll see some of the artifacts that we are going to be using for... There's over 8,000 artifacts inside this vault. And uh, what, Jeffy? Uh, you know, maybe se- there might be 7,500. <laughs> Wait, I mean, you, you said- haven't really counted, have you? But, well, <laughs> yeah, we had. Should we count again, yeah, Jeffy? I'm just yeah. saying. <laughs> that might be uh, Don't You don't want to miss this. Uh, share it with your family. These are designed to be watched by the family to teach history. Tonight, great episode. Tesla and Edison, part two, five o'clock, The Blaze TV. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Mercury.
Hello, America. We have more details on the man who wounded 29 people with homemade bombs in New York and New Jersey. We'll tell you what we know about that guy. And uh, again, the, the administration's just unwillingness to actually tell the truth about what we're really facing. Uh, and we begin our serial on the breakdown of the American family, the number one problem in America. If it wasn't for the breakdown of the family, we wouldn't be where we are today. We begin that serial and so much more right now. of entertainment and enlightenment. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Hello, America. Marka, how you doing? By the way, have you heard that uh, George H.W. Bush has, uh, is, going to, is going to be voting for Hillary Clinton? I believe a guest on our show said that last Friday. Yeah, uh, the Bush family, they thought, would, would come. They were questioning whether they would come out publicly. And this is an interesting way this little nugget came out. Yes, which was, it it's, we're talking George H.W. Bush. He's 92 years old. He, he's getting a visit from, I can't remember who it was, but somebody in the Kennedy family. Kennedy family. Uh, and Bush apparently tells her that he's going to vote for Clinton. And she just posts a picture of them together and says, he told me he was going to vote for Hillary Clinton on her Facebook page. Ha, 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 which, of course, turns into a story. And so I, has he verified this at all? No. So they, they, they tried to get a statement from the, um, the elder Bush's ca- uh, camp. And they said, you know, in 50 days, he will be making a personal vote. That's all it is, a, his personal vote. And it will happen in 50 days and we will not be commenting in the interim. So he certainly didn't say, no, actually, he's voting for Trump. But he did not confirm it as, as well. Yeah, well, uh, who was it that said? I don't remember. I honestly thought it was you. <laughs> no, uh, no. Like, Somebody remember. had made the prediction that, um, uh, that, uh, he, that, that George W. Bush was going to come out and endorse uh, Hillary Clinton in the last week or so. And find that really hard to believe. Um, but... You, we know that the Bushes like the Clintons, and they certainly like Clinton more than they like Trump. Um, but I, I well, I, obviously, if you're voting for Trump, the easy thing to say is I will be supporting the Republican nominee. I mean, that's, right. that's the right. standard easy thing for a Republican president right. to do. Right. So the fact that he's not saying that I think indicates this is accurate. They also, but there's a difference it. between saying that and uh, you know just saying you know uh, it's my private vote and. Uh, and then coming out and saying, I am going to be voting for Hillary Clinton. That's a pretty big deal. Right, publicly advocating. I mean, there's yep. been n- no one. Is, I mean, even Romney, who made that really strong uh, anti-Trump speech before the uh, primary was over, he has not said he's not voting for uh, uh, um, Trump yet. He's, he's basically said he's not endorsed Johnson, which is a lot, where a lot of people think he, he might be voting. Because he, he's well, he actually Bill could. Weld. Uh, he, you know, he, Weld was the governor um, right before, oh, gosh, now I'm trying yes, to think, yeah, yes. before Romney, yes. right? Um, so they, they have a relationship. He said publicly that if Weld was the actual nominee for the Libertarian Party and not the vice presidential nominee, he would endorse Weld. Which is kind of agonizing. And it used to be, didn't it used right. to be in America 
that your vote was your vote and you could keep that quiet. You didn't have to say, yes, yes I'm voting for Donald J. Trump. And, and you, people were proud of it. Right. It, uh, that's, a, that's, your, that's your vote. That's my vote. I'm, I'm not going to tell you. Now they hound you and hound you and hound you and hound you. Hey, there was a story uh, this morning about Dan Patrick, the lieutenant governor of Texas. Uh, he's tra- tra- he's talking about to- being disappointed in Ted Cruz because he hasn't endorsed Donald Trump yet. What? Well, you're disappointed in him for sticking to his principles and values? You're disappointed? Dan Are Patrick Dan? is disappointed in somebody for sticking to their principles? Uh, how did this happen? You no, know Dan. Uh, yes, quite well. <laughs> oh, yes. Quite well. That didn't sound like a, a rampy to see you. <laughs> I just, I'm, that's, that pisses me off. What do, you, what do you mean you're disappointed for him, in him, for sticking to his values? Is he more a Republican than he is a person of principle? Because if he is, that's not the guy I voted for. Yeah. Uh, this is the guy I voted for. Well, I just don't understand, A, because I remember my dad saying, I remember my grandfather saying, my business. Yeah. It's my business. Yeah, my business. Yeah. I don't have to endorse anybody if I yeah. don't want to. It, it, and I don't have to tell you who I'm voting for. Right. There's a bit of a fall in line movement uh, it, going there, on. Yes. Uh, and, and, uh, and this is not a knock on Dan Patrick or anybody else saying these things, but it's like, why do you think we care if you're disappointed in us? Like, I don't, yeah. so what if you're disappointed? That is not, I don't live my life other to live up to your too. standards. Yeah, I li- but, but Dan Patrick is who he's talking about. I'm sure, I'm sure he's a good guy. I don't know him. I'm sure he's a good guy. And I understand that people ask him questions. He's, he's answering them to the best of his ability at the moment. But it's like this weird threat of others being disappointed in my choices is not something I relate to. Okay, you I don't feel it's I, Dan I own that now. <laughs> you own that. <laughs> I that don't is feel, your responsibility like, now. Are there people in America who feel the pressure from such an... Yes, a that is yeah. the... That is political correctness. That's yeah, all yes. we are. Is That's a, why so many are. people have caved, right? Right. We are in nothing but a pressure situation now. Right. Every on everything. You you don't. What do, what do you mean you don't want transgendered bathrooms? What do, what do you hold it just a second? What do you mean you're not for gay marriage? Wait. What? Do Wait. You, you can't you can't play in our conference then. Right. You can't be part of our sports league then. Right. That's, that's right. We're gonna now. we're gonna cancel all tours to your state. Yeah. We're gonna, we're gonna cancel. That's all it is. Yeah. You fall in right. line, and oh, yeah. you know the the Republicans are now doing the same thing, yeah. which again proves the point of liars. This is what the progressives do. They set a precedent. Uh, a, a precedent. They set a standard. You hit that standard, and if not. They shame you and abuse you. I'm sorry. I'm not going to play the progressive game. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's weird. It's, it's weird that you have to say it, but other people's disappointment is not material to my decision making. Right. How many times do we say, how many times do we say, and, 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 and they try to make it sound like, you know, you, well, you don't mean that. What you do in your bedroom, what you do with your life, I don't care. I really don't care. I really don't care. Why? Because I don't think you care, and you're a little sick if you do, what I'm doing in my bedroom. Even Tanya doesn't care about okay, that. Right. She, no, she does. She's, <laughs> help me, help me. But, um, she, um, uh, but I don't care. But society is built around, you've got to care. 
Yeah, and what? Oh, I, I, it's, I don't, it, don't want to care. What? That's your business. It's very freeing when you realize you don't have to. Yes. Oh my gosh. It's a, it's a, it's a real power when you and, realize you don't have to care about what the hell uh, somebody's saying and they're disappointed in you. When you realize that that's not an actual thing. When you realize that their disappointment doesn't see, affect your life at all, see, it's, it's kind of nice. As a society, as a society, this this all started with Freud and uh, and the early beginnings of American advertising. Um, where, where you had that peer pressure. We're now told before advertising was not you need this to be complete, is if you need this, here it is. If you need this, here it is. Okay? They didn't, up until the 1900s, we didn't have stores where they put things out on the counter. You had to know what you wanted. I would like a blue dress uh, I, could I see your material, please? And they would go and they would pull out the bolts of material that you asked for. I'd like everything in blue. Could I see all your bolts of blue material? Okay, I'd like that. You, they didn't have display cases like we do now. That was in the progressive era. People don't know what they want. Let's show them what they want. And so it it went into showing them you're not complete. You don't have all the stuff. And then it becomes peer pressure. You're not dressing like everybody else. You're not talking like everyone else. You're not driving the new car. You're not in the right neighborhood. You're not watching the right show. Wait a minute. What do you mean you don't like that? All the way down to the most personal religion, sex, and politics. We are defined by what you believe in God, what you believe in the voting booth, and what you believe in the bedroom. Don't you think, though, that Republicans were somewhat immune to all that nonsense up until recently? I did. We, we, yeah, we were insulated yeah. from it. Or it seemed like we were. And we didn't, we didn't care about all that. And now we're just as bad. Because I think we did. Republicans are just as bad as the left. I, I think we did. I think, I think what happened is they wore us down. The constant, you're a warmonger, you hate children, you're a racist, you're a homophobe. I think, that, I think after 15 years of that, people were like, Started I can't playing the take game it too. anymore. Yeah. I can't take it anymore. And so as soon as somebody said, I will punch back, this is not a criticism of Sean Hannity. This is not a criticism, but he's a very good example of this. Have you noticed, Sean was always, and I think this is who he, he really is, he is a very kind, gentle man. He's a kind guy. And have you noticed how many times now he says, I'm a fighter, I'm going to punch back, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take him out. Well, that whole counterpunching thing Correct. came directly from Trump. From Trump. And yeah. this, is, this is not... This could have been anyone who started it. It's not even Trump. Could have been anyone who started it. Yeah. The society was ripe for someone to stand up and say, I'm not taking it anymore. I'm going to punch back. When the response mm. is, turn the other cheek and love your neighbor and stand firm in the principles. Jesus didn't waver. But everybody, this is a repeat of the 60s. This is a repeat of the 40s. This is a repeat. It happens all every time. People assume that turn the other cheek is weakness. Mm-hmm. 
It's not. Jesus never backed down. Not once. He didn't give an inch, and he changed the world. That's because he was a brown belt. Thank you. It's not helpful. Thank you. It's not helpful. So, so even, even some of our best friends and some of the people that we really admire, you know, are, are taking different routes than we are. Yeah. You know, and, this- and that's okay, as long as we're not making each other into enemies. This crystallizes where the Trump support came from. I think better than anything, for some reason, we've talked about the whole, the whole last year. Doesn't I mean this? That makes some sense about why we are where we we've are. We've known that though for the whole time. Yeah. We've known that people, yeah. people are, they're tired, and and what they don't understand is, and I'm not saying Trump is part of this at all. What they don't understand mm. is the alt right is real and, and dangerous, and dangerous, and it is as real and as dangerous as the far left was to the blue dog Democrats. And they got in, they weaseled their way in, and the Democrats thought we'll control them. And who's in control now of the Democrats? Who's in control? The blue dogs? No. Or the radicals? Radicals. Okay. Because they thought they could control them. They thought that, you know, we'll just get them in. We'll use them. It's exactly what the GOP is doing with the alt-right. We're going to use them for fuel for our fire. I'm telling you, they will be the GOP before you know it. You're in bed with really dangerous people, really dangerous people. And you can close your eyes just like the Blue Dog Democrats did. This is why Joe Lieberman left. He was like, there's no place for somebody like me in the Democratic Party. Remember how weird that seemed at the time? We thought he was talking about the Clintons and the Gores. He wasn't. He was talking about the Bill Ayers and the Van Jones of the world. That's who he was talking about. He knew we're in the, the base is being eroded by the, the um, corruption of our principles from the uber left. There's no place in a party for a Joe Lieberman and a Code Pink. Well, I'm sorry. There is no place in a Republican Party for a Glenn Beck, and people might cheer, or a, a Ted Cruz with the alt-right. There's just no place for it. I won't be there. Yeah, I don't either. Will. And, I, and, and if people open their eyes, neither will they. Right. I mean, and that's people, a lot of people have talked about, like, you know, what's going to happen to conservative media after all of this is over. And I think, the, you know, it's important to figure out what it is. Because if conservative media is something that's pushing alt-right policies, like, I have no, I have no desire to work for the Tariff Tribune. Like, that's not, I'm not looking to, to, to sign up for some batch of policies that is uh, anti-Semitic, racist, uh, anti-free trade, all of these things. Like, if that's what it is, then who cares if it dies? I mean, I don't care. Well, see, what they're going to do is they're, they're very clever. They've, A, changed the language, and we're going to go over this in the coming days. They've changed the language. So they're speaking your language, but it means different things. Control the language control the argument. They're very smart. They're changing the language in subtle ways. And um, by just saying globalist, you're a globalist. What that actually means is isolationist. The option to them is isolationism and high tariffs. That's not good either. 
I don't want to be one global government with, with, you know, no borders or anything like that. I don't want anything to do with that. But I also don't want to be an isolationist because that leads to the Great Depression times two. It may mean the end of the Western world. And so these are the times when you have to be extraordinarily careful on who you're standing next to. Because you're standing next to most of the people who are righteously pissed off and they don't feel like anybody's listening to them and they also don't feel like they have anywhere to go. They can't go to Clinton. They can't go to Johnson. You heard Johnson this weekend. Can't go to Johnson. And the other guys are going to be right in. So what are we going to do? You're going to have Hillary Clinton? Going to have Donald Trump? And they're not seeing the longer picture They're not seeing what that means for the GOP in 2020, what that means to the GOP with millennials, what that means with your principles and who the alt-right is. And once you let them have a toehold, they will have a foot in the door so quickly and you won't see it coming. And you will find yourself Joe Lieberman. And I believe within four years. And you'll say, what the hell happened What the hell happened to this party? You think it's bad now? Wait until it absolutely is. It's an alt-right program where they are anti-Semitic, where they are isolationists, where they are going for all the things you are not for. That's when trouble comes. Got to think long-term. Now this. Take a look at your window treatments. Um... Blinds.com can help you replace them, and they make it easy and mistake-free. Tanya and I FaceTime with a Blinds.com designer consultant who um, we took pictures of our room and emailed them, and then he superimposed the images uh, on the, on the, uh, with the curtains that we were going to put up in our, our bedroom. And it made this so easy. I don't know how to – I look at curtains or stuff, and I'm like, I, I don't know what that's going to look like. He did that, made it so easy. Now, their 100% satisfaction guarantee means even if you mismeasure or you pick the wrong color, they will remake it for free. So get made-to-order custom blinds without paying custom prices at blinds.com. Plus, you're going to receive a site-wide 20% discount now through September 30th. When you use the promo code BECK, go to blinds.com, use the promo code BECK, get 20% discount now through September 30th. It's blinds.com, promo code BECK blinds.com this is the glenn beck program mercury Glenn Beck program. I'm so excited for uh, the new season of uh, Glenn on uh, Blaze TV, 5 p.m. You can watch it on the internet. Uh, just you know, watch it on your phone, even if you want to, or listen to it. it, it watch TV on your phone? Yeah, I know it's crazy. <laughs> um, it, last night's show is the Think Tank, and it was really good, really good. Tonight is part two of Edison and Tesla. In a show called His Story, every night it's a different show. It's a different kind of show. 
Um, uh, tomorrow we premiere the episode uh, or the series called uh, The Vault um, that I think you're really going to like. That We have 8,000 items. Uh, or after Jeffy was in there, 7,500 uh, items in the uh, Mercury vaults. Uh, and we tell history and the principles uh, behind it. Don't miss it tonight, episode two of His Story. You can find it at theblaze.com slash TV. The American Family and the breakdown of the American Family. Our serial begins next. If you believe in the Bible, you know that after God created Adam and Eve, he commanded them to have children. It was the first commandment he gave as they faced the real world. And God blessed them. And God said unto them, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. So apparently, the ideal family from the very beginning was for a biological mother and father to both be in the home, raising their children together. Not just the mother, not just the father, but a mother and a father who are married to one another. How ideal is the traditional family unit? According to a diverse team of scholars from the universities of Texas, Virginia, Minnesota, Chicago, Maryland, Washington, Rutgers, and UC Berkeley, not conservative or religious universities by any stretch of the imagination, In fact, most of them are quite opposite. But they found that children from those homes... Live longer, healthier lives, mentally and physically. Do better in school. Are more likely to graduate and attend college. Are less likely to live in poverty. Are less likely to be in trouble with the law. Less likely to drink or do drugs. Less likely to be violent or sexually active. Less likely to be victims of sexual or physical violence. And are more likely to have successful marriages when they're older. Such research has been confirmed by other highly respected liberals, like Harvard's David Elwood and Christopher Jenks, who also found broken families result in a reduction of human capital. Quote, the knowledge, education, habits, willpower, and all the internal stuff that is largely intangible a person has that helps produce an income, end quote. The American Enterprise Institute's Nick Schultz argues in his book, Home Economics, The Consequences of Changing Family Structure, that among children who start off in the bottom third of income distribution, only 26% with divorced parents ever move up, compared with 42% born to unmarried mothers who may marry later and 50% who grow up with two married parents. So is it any wonder, then, that so many blacks never break the cycle of poverty? In 1986... CBS News did a special report on what was happening in the black family in America called The Vanishing Family. 
crisis in black America. 25 years ago, you would not have heard such things said so freely because they were not embraced so widely. The strong family was still the backbone of black America, and three out of four children had both parents at home. That is true no longer. Most black children are now growing up without their fathers. The result is a world turned upside down as children copy what they see and repeat what they learn. LaDawn said she didn't have a father in her home and doesn't think her children need one. She's not unusual. Half the black families today are headed only by a woman. Clorinda said she could make it on her own as a single parent. She has never been married and is raising her daughter without a man's help. She's not unusual. Today, nearly 60% of all black children are born out of wedlock. Timothy said his children are not his responsibility. He has left them to be supported by their mothers and welfare. He's not unusual either. For LaDon and Clorinda and Timothy, and many more like them in cities all over America, the traditional family no longer exists. It has vanished, and something new is taking its place. Single women and the children they're rearing alone are the fastest-growing part of the black population. During the 30 years since that report, the situation has grown much, much worse. Today, 73% of black families are not traditional family units. 73%. Yet in 1950, it was the other way around. 75% of black families were two-parent homes. The result for so many has been poverty and crime. But rather than focus on such a clear and profound problem, groups like Black Lives Matter and so many other black organizations and so-called black leaders choose to place the blame on police, white America, or capitalism. While the black family has been the hardest hit, by no means is it the only segment to suffer. The American family of every race, every ethnicity, continues to disintegrate as virtually no one steps up to address the problem and propose solutions. As a result, the situation continues to worsen. Since 1980, the marriage rate is down 45%. 41% of children are born to unmarried mothers, and again, it's 73% among African Americans. 71% of poor families are not married. Marriage decreases the probability a child will live in poverty by 82%. Fatherless or single-parent homes produce children who are two times more likely to be arrested for juvenile crime. Twice as likely to be treated for emotional and behavioral problems twice as likely to be suspended or expelled from school. They are also 33% more likely to drop out of school and three times more likely to end up in jail by age 30. 70% of inmates grew up in broken homes. And compared to children from homes disrupted by death, children from divorced homes have more psychological problems. Yet even with the evidence of the shattered children from crumbling families, we're told everything is perfectly fine. A family unit can be anything. A single mom, a single dad, two moms, two dads, a monkey, a gerbil, maybe a wandering minstrel or two from Saskatchewan. It just doesn't seem to matter anymore. The kids will be fine no matter what. As Dr. Wendy Walsh points out. There's this crazy idea out there that a traditional family is one with one heterosexual man living with one heterosexual woman in a house with offspring who have a biological connection to both of those. Sorry, 
That's a modern family, and it's actually a prescription for insanity as far as our biology is concerned. If someone had said the same thing about a same-sex family, there would be a very good chance that they'd be unemployed and perhaps unemployed for good. A hetero man married to a hetero woman. What a perfectly crazy idea. And a prescription for insanity? They may even face a hate speech charge. But for whatever the reason, it's perfectly acceptable to say this about a traditional family unit. Why, when there's nearly total consensus on the fact that a traditional family unit is provably what is best for the well-being of the children? Now, this isn't to say that single moms can't be fantastic, loving parents or single dads, or they're just not capable of raising wonderful, well-adjusted, highly successful kids. Because they can and they do. Grandparents can and do wonderful child-rearing. Same-sex couples certainly love their children. And sometimes the ideal family unit, for whatever reason, just is not possible. But in general, where possible, traditional family units produce the best results. Consistently, over decades of studies. Period. Could it be that biologically... A woman brings certain traits and skills to child-rearing that a man doesn't, and vice versa. And is it just possible that that combination leads to the most well-adjusted, highest-functioning human beings? That question, however, is apparently so offensive now that most dare not even ask. On the rare occasion when small groups of Americans actually do become active and go outside of their community to support traditional families... They are often attacked, as occurred here on a street corner in Pennsylvania when an opponent of traditional marriage saw their signs supporting traditional families. You should not make people feel like they're wrong for what they believe in. It's sickening. This is so sickening. You need to walk down the street sickening. What are you insecure about? What are you insecure about? Her statement that they shouldn't make people feel bad for what they believe obviously doesn't apply to her. Despite having a consensus and science on the side of traditional families being the best bet for child-rearing, it has gotten to the point where it is seriously hazardous for someone to even mention the facts or suggest that some of the problems in America that we're facing are due to the disintegration of the traditional family unit. Next time... We look at some of the factors that have contributed to the destruction of the family in America and how we got here. Glenn Beck. Those stats on the uh, black family in America are staggering. Some of those numbers are unbelievable. They, they used to be the strong, they were the strongest family unit in the 50s. Strongest. Yeah. And what happened between 1986 and 1956? Oh, I don't know. Maybe the Great Society? Exactly. Yeah, that's, ex- that's exactly. What it was. It, it's it's all the programs they have they have stripped families of intentionally. Yeah, you have to remember who who were the people that designed the um, the Great Society. Remember that's designed in 19 what 66. So it was probably 60, from 60 to 66, people were laying the groundwork of that. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, And who were those people? Great. 
Those people were all the leftist oh, racists. Oh, every one of them. Oh. Every single one of them, one of were, them. The, yeah. were the progressive racists right. who only later, and every, even, even the Democrats will tell you, well, it was after the civil rights movement that all of the racists uh, went over to the GOP. Okay, so uh, then you admit, uh, uh, it's not true, but you admit that in the 1960s, they were you the were the guys. Well, they have to. You I mean, designed fact. these programs. Fact. And, and right. they forget about LBJ, who all of a sudden had an awakening when the public yes. opinion started turning. Yes. Oh, uh, now I am all about civil rights. And so now we see, <laughs> now we see the, the destruction of the family. Yeah. And people don't think that was by design? I mean, that is what the progressives were for from the beginning. Destroy the family. Destroy the black family. Break it apart and kill it. And now we're seeing even the most strong foundational families breaking apart. Uh, CNN has confirmed that Angelina Jolie has filed for divorce from Brad Pitt. What? No. It's happened. Stop that talk. It's actually sad. It it is sad. It is sad because didn't they adopt a third world nation? They did. They did. Yeah. How many kids and do they so, have? Like four, five, seven, eleven, I think. Two point five million, I think, was what that. Two point five million. Yeah, yeah. The That's really that sad. Got. Yeah, it is. Yeah, that is really sad. It is. And they've been together for quite a while. Yeah, that's not true. Uh, it, TMZ is reporting that it's about the, the, how they uh, parented, how Brad was parenting the children. That was the issue. It was not Uh-oh. like a third person in the relationship or anything like that. It was how was he parenting? parenting issue. Well, he was probably being I, tough. I don't know. Oh, can you imagine? Angelina Jolie has oh, got, man. she wears the pants. She wears the aftershave. She pays the nannies. She's, I mean, she raises the kids. She, I mean, you're not messing with Angelina Jolie. No, she's uh, pretty, she seems right. pretty involved. And also, she, yeah, I, she mean, I don't know if it's just our impression from the movies, but you're right. She does seem like she'd yeah. be tough. Yeah, she'd be, t- she'd be tough. <laughs> she'd be a tough woman. But I, but I strangely like her. Yeah. I strangely like her. Um, yeah, I, I wonder why that is. Oh, hmm. Can't think of anything to like about her. Oh wait, yes I can. I mean, everybody likes Angelina Jolie, right? Mm-hmm. Great actress. She's, uh, a great uh, six actress. children, by the way. Six. <laughs> That's what it is. That's horrible. Great actress. That's horrible that now this family yeah. is broken. Yeah. How many are biological? Is it? Like, it's three and three. You just don't have all the answers. I do so not. I have not you come to the table. Have, no, only half the Angelina uh, Jolie. Come prepared, and Brad Pitt. You go into global warming uh, models if you want, but I, this sort of model, I don't. I have According to uh, recent insurance claims, over forty percent of identity fraud cases come from a lost or stolen wallet or purse. Okay, so what do you carry in your wallet? Don't carry your social security card. I don't even know where mine is. Do you guys know where your social security card even is? No idea. Uh, it's the law to have it, Glenn. I do. Of yeah, course so I, I do. My Liberty Safe is where yeah. it is. Thank you. Uh, is it? Yeah. Okay, so. <laughs> Along with purses. Don't carry these. Don't carry these. Social security card, passport, birth certificate, extra credit cards, passwords and PIN numbers in your checkbook. I'm pretty clear on I don't have my list of my PIN numbers and passwords and birth certificate the president obama doesn't have to worry oh boy oh no oh boy didn't you hear it's now one that's right that's ended it period uh 
No one can prevent identity theft or monitor all transactions at all businesses, but LifeLock is the best identity theft protection available. Memberships start at $9.99. Get yours right now. We have it, and it has saved our bacon many times. LifeLock.com. Call one 800 4 Use the promo code BECK. Get 10% off of your LifeLock Ultimate uh, Plus membership. It's LifeLock.com. 1-800-440-4936. 1-800-440-4936. Glenn Beck. Want to see Glenn live? If you're coming to Texas, you can. Join us at Mercury Studios in Dallas for a taping of Glenn's television show. To reserve your seat, email tickets at glennbeck.com with your information. That's tickets at glennbeck.com. Mercury. Listening to the Glenn Beck program. We're actually sitting here mourning the breakup of the family of <laughs> Brad and Angelina. Right? It is actually because well, he could it's be sad. Alone. He could be alone for minutes, it's and sad. so could she. Yeah. yeah. I mean, well, probably not full minutes. Not full minutes. Probably seconds. Like minute. Oh, yeah. maybe uh, up mean, to minute. It probably Both not quite. Them. I mean, you're exaggerating, but yeah, I mean, probably thirty <laughs> to forty-five seconds, perhaps. <laughs> Oh, you're talking about it off the air of that. There are uh, people, babes and men, circling like vultures <laughs> yes. right now. Right. Like over the estate. Right I mean, now. Brad Pitt is actually like the name brand for good looking men. He is the Kleenex of good looking men. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's like when you say, oh, what? He's no Brad Pitt. Like, that is exactly. <laughs> right. So uh, that's going to be, a, it's not going to yeah. be a challenge, I don't right. think. Uh, he probably won't have to go on Tinder. Uh, you know, it's probably going to be pretty. Uh, oh, no, but. He's going to need think some consoling from some women. I, for sure. I don't think he's going to have to. This will just open up the door and they'll all flood in. Yeah. You won't even be able to keep them out. Yeah. Uh, I'm actually, but I'm actually sad. Sad. Yeah. This, yeah. This, they this, seem to have a real relationship. They seem yeah. like they had a really good... Uh, I, I guess they were together for a long time. Like yeah, they, they were years. They were together for uh, nine years before they got married. And then they've been married for two years. So the marriage is what screwed it up. This, uh, let me quote Jeffy here. Uh, Thank you. Really sad. I wonder what changed. I wonder marriage. What, oh, what? Mar- Jeffy, you're marriage married. makes it stronger. Right. Marriage right. makes it stronger. I said. Didn't we we don't marry Jeff. That. Right. That's what I said. The Glenn Beck Program. Mercury. America, welcome to the program. Glad you're here. The woman who found the second bomb in New York, the pressure cooker with the wires coming out of it and the timing device, do you know mm. what she originally thought? I do. She uh, originally thought it was a clock made by oh, yeah. some kid as a science project. Right. You mean exactly the uh, clock, Ahmed the Clock Kid yes. story? Yes. Except in reverse? Yes. Clockmed. Clockmed. <laughs> And then she walked away from it, and she had it bothered her, 
So she went back inside and she called the police. What I loved was her quote. Did you see her quote? They keep saying, if you see something, say something. So I I did. did. It was great. Yeah. (laughs) So she goes in and then the police come and she comes out on her porch because it's right there by her porch. She comes out on her porch and she's like, does anybody want any cookies? And she's just standing there watching them. And one of the cops said, run, run. And she runs to a neighbor's house Mm. and goes off. Oh, wow. Is it, or is no, that's it, the, no, no, no. That's the one that she found, and they got they got that one safe. It didn't go up. Yeah. She and that, ran to a neighbor's house. Right, and that's the one that they found because of the cell phone. We were able to link it yes. to this guy. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Amazing. So um, they're not all science projects, kids. Uh, that and uh, so much more begins right now. of entertainment and enlightenment. This is the Glenn Beck Program. I mean, I'd like to know why that woman hates people who can. You know, she sees a a pressure cooker out there in the middle. All of a sudden, sudden it's a bomb. It's a bomb. Okay. (laughs) I think we should be clear here. No one needs... A pressure cooker. Thank you. Amen. There are other types of ovens that you can easily use. Right. You can give them a warm water bath without the pressure. Mm-hmm. You can. Oh, do we not have cans? No one needs why can't food we? cooked under pressure. No. Right. No, no one. No and one why can't we just go to the store? There's plenty of places you can go and How get that already done. How many deer have you ever cooked in a pressure cooker? How many what? Deer. Right, you don't. It no. has nothing to do with hunting. I, I never cook my deer in a pressure cooker. No, and, and here's the thing. Right? No use for hunting at all. Right. It, it, at the very least, we should have background checks for people buying pressure cookers. Maybe a waiting period. Well, also um, the knife. The guy in Minnesota. Yeah. We should yeah. have a background knives. check on right. knives. Exactly. You don't need a knife. Like, think about this. Think about an apple, okay? When you cut an apple, yeah, can you use a knife? Sure. But it's like using a machine gun to hunt rabbits. Mm-hmm. What you need is one of those little core slicer thingies that you just pop on top of the apple. You right. press down, slices all of them at once. You get multiple you slices and less That's effort. All you need. Only a psychopath with intent of murder would need to buy a knife to slice an apple. If you need right. to cut a melon, do it with your hand. If well, you're if like I, a brown belt in karate, if I may, please give it a chop. Stop it right now. Stop. What? Right now. I'm just stop suggesting it. alternatives. I know what you're suggesting. Using a knife. I am. Here's what I would like to do. I would like to tell you that tonight at 5 o'clock is part two of the Tesla Edison story like you've never heard it before. We have a whole new series of, of Glenn shows. Every night it's a different kind of show. And um, on Tuesdays is a show called His Story. Um, I've always been fascinated that the word story is in the word history. But nobody ever reads it that way. Nobody ever sees it, especially our history teachers. So we are going to start telling the greatest stories that I know, and what do we learn from those stories? So every Tuesday is his story. Tomorrow is the premiere of a new show called The Vault, where we take out the evidence of history out of our vault. We have 8,000 articles in our vault and show you um, the proof of history. But I want to give you a little clip of tonight's episode uh, by the way, sometime during the week, you'll be able to download this just as a audio-only uh, episode. You'll be able to hear that. But tonight, 
Uh, visually, it is really quite amazing as well. You want to see this on the Blaze TV at theblaze.com slash TV. Um, watch it tonight at 5 o'clock. Here's a clip talking about Tesla and Edison and the man who brought them really together in their turning point. The thing that changed the world actually was the electrocution of our one of our first real axe murderers in America. We have to make one more stop before the World's Fair. We have to go back now in the right time and placement where this whole story began with William Kemmler. William Kemmler happened to be from the very same town that the dentist Southwick was from. The guy who was writing to Edison saying, there's got to be a better way to do executions. Kemmler is this, is this poor soul that had lost his way early in life and uh, was just a very loud drunk, but violent. He didn't have a chance at life. He was a push cart salesman and he would, he'd push his cart and sell whatever it is he could find no, and he would try to sell over. fruits and vegetables, whatever he could find. He was uh, married to uh, uh, Tilly, was her name. They had a child. And he came home after work and put his push cart in the front. And an argument broke out between the two of them in this this crowded apartment complex. And um, he ended up going downstairs to his push cart and getting an axe, a hatchet. And he dismembered Tilly in the kitchen. He just killed her and dismembered in a horrific, horrific way. We think we're queasy about, you know, you don't want to show these things on TV. At the time, the newspapers loved it. The more blood, the bigger the headlines. They were the entertainment of the day. So this was a huge story of this guy coming home drunk, dismembering his wife in front of his crying child. And then kicking the door open, walking through the crowd and say, yeah, well, they'll hang me for that when they find out. Southwick is in the same town. He's been writing to Edison, saying there's got to be a better way to hang than hang. Edison, now in the War of Currents, sees another letter from Southwick. And he thinks to himself, oh... Oh, there is a better way. And it certainly isn't with my electricity. It's not with DC, because that isn't powerful enough, of course. But what Westinghouse? It's a killing machine. So he recommends that you use Westinghouse Electric and Mr. Tesla's design to kill people, because surely that will kill anyone quickly. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if you've seen this guy. I don't know anything about him. This, this Mr. Brown that is traveling around. Nobody knows that Edison is in collusion with Brown. Nobody sees this one coming. And so because Edison is the man of the hour, everybody thinks, well, he's right. It must be Westinghouse Electric. If that's what you're putting into your home, as Edison would later say, 
the electricity that is used for the electric chair, you probably don't want it around your family and your kids. He wins if this goes through, he thinks. They build an electric chair. It goes back and forth in court. Edison actually has to testify. His people have to testify. Westinghouse testifies because Westinghouse is saying, no, no, don't use mine for an electric chair. It won't work. It will be ugly. It will be worse than hanging. Don't do it. Edison says, no, 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 it's going to be great. Oh, you turn the juice up. I'm telling you, you need a thousand volts of his kind of electricity and it'll kill him that fast. Well, because Edison is the one with credibility, court says, build the electric chair in New York, and they do. By the time they go to kill well, William Kemmler, Kemmler is a guy who is, um, he's changed. He's been away from alcohol for over a year now. He is deeply sorry. He has been taking scripture studies. He is truly a changed man. This is back in a time where you weren't trying to be a changed man so you could get out. You were dead. And he knew he was dead. He was actually a changed man. So much so that he would counsel other prisoners. He would, he would bring them the good news before they were executed by hanging. Because he was a special case. He had to wait for the electric chair to be built. Um, on the day that they killed um, Kemmler, he, um, he was met by the warden early in the morning. And they, they prayed together, read the scriptures together. And Kemmler said, you know, warden, I have this coming. I deserve this and so much more. But I'm not afraid because I know where I'm going and it's all good. He's truly a changed man. So much so that all of the guards are crying as he's walking to the electric chair. He sits down in the electric chair and they shave his head so they can put the wires on his head, put the metal on his head. They ask him to get up and they cut a hole in the back of his jacket and his shirt so they can put a, another wire around him. They wire his legs, strap his legs in, and then they strap his hands in the chair. He's kind and he's, he's not fighting anyone. In fact, after they get him all strapped in, he whispers for the warden to come here. He whispers in the warden's ear, Warden, things will look bad for you if, if I thrash about and my arm is not bound tightly enough. With tears running down his cheek, the warden tightens the strap on that arm and Kemmler looks at him. It's good. At this time, there are people in a room, just like this. It wasn't a death chamber, it was just a room with an electric chair. And the switch was down in the basement with the generators. 
And there are women and people all in the room, reporters. This is historic first electrocution. Kemmler looks at the warden. Pull the switch. They pull the switch, and Kemmler's body tightens up and moves and is down for a minute of a thousand volts. Longer than Edison said it would take to kill a man. The doctor comes over and puts the stethoscope and listens, pronounces him dead. Everyone is a little shocked and unsteady, but good. And a woman screams, Dear God, look. And he's moving his hand and he's beginning to breathe. That's when the warden says, Quickly, 2,000 volts, throw the switch. And he throws the switch again. Now this time, it's double the power that Edison said that it would take. You're now frying and cooking him from the inside out. And his body is shaking and beginning to smoke. Some reporters say that he actually burst into flame and you could smell the burning flesh. This went on and on and on until they were sure no one could survive that. They turn it off. People, women had tried to get up. Men had tried to get up and get out of the room to vomit. They couldn't make it fast enough. People were vomiting in the room. It was a horror show as this man was now smoldering in the chair. Westinghouse was asked for a comment afterwards. Remember, he testified against it and said, don't do that. They asked him for a comment. He said, it would have been better if you had killed him with an ax. No one asked Edison whose idea it was. No one asked Mr. Edison for a comment. That is just one part of tonight's episode. Um, you're going you're gonna to love these shows. We work so hard on these. It's a, it's a whole new level of uh, Glenbeck television, and um, you're just going to love them. The, the, I've been reading the reviews on, uh, online, and universally, even people who are mad at me right now, universally are loving uh, this show. So make sure you watch it. Tonight and every Tuesday night at 5 o'clock, it is history. Tomorrow, another new show on history called The Vault. And tomorrow is just the pilot, so it's a little bit different. Um, But each of them will have a theme and a moral to the story. Tonight, part two, Edison and Tesla, and you can binge on them uh, as well. Okay, let me tell you about our sponsor this half hour. It's American Financing. American Financing Corporation, NMLS 182334, www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. Sometimes falling into debt, I mean, it happens to everybody. You, maybe you're out of work for a few months. Maybe there are medical expect, uh, expenses. Um, maybe there are the, all of a sudden home repairs that you have to make. If you feel like you're in a hole and you're not sure how to get out, let American Financing Consolidate your high-interest debt into one manageable monthly payment. Interest rates right now are at an all-time low, and it is a great time to refinance and consolidate your debts. Lowering your interest rates can save you as much as five, $500 to $1,000 every single month. Imagine that. 
American Financing, their mortgage based, uh, uh, their mortgage consultants are salary based. So nobody is working off commissions. Nobody's trying to put you and jam you into something uh, that the bank is pushing. That, quite honestly, is what caused the mortgage collapse the last time. And they haven't learned their lesson at the banks. American Financing, they, their people didn't have a problem last time because they've never been trying to push people into banking instruments that they didn't want. They work for you. They specialize in solutions, and they don't count their commissions, all salary-based. I want you to go to AmericanFinancing.net. These are the people that if I'm consolidating or I'm getting a second mortgage or I'm going to buy a new home, I'm going to American Financing. 866-750-6551. 866-750-6551. America's home for home loans is at AmericanFinancing.net. 866-750-6551. AmericanFinancing.net. You're listening to the Glenn Beck Program. The Glenn Beck Program. I will be my Mercury. 888-727-BACK. This is the Glenn Beck Program. I love. I absolutely love Jim Gaffigan. Uh, he just uh, he just posted. It's a beautiful day out there today. Well, that's what I've heard. It's not like I'm going to put pants on and go out and find out. <laughs> uh, he is. You know. You know. It's amazing how hard he worked on the Jim Gaffigan show, and how hard I know that he and Jeannie worked to get the control that they had. Jeannie is his wife to make sure that she could direct. Mm-hmm. Uh, that he had control along with her, that they were the writers, and then they have it, and it's just about to burst. It's just about to break through. Yeah, I mean, it was doing fairly well anyway, and then it was just, you're right, it was just hitting that point of, like, people were noticing it. Uh, it's, it's a funny show. Then he gave it funny. up. Right? Yep. Gave it up because of the kids. Yeah, that's really something. At just at the time it's about to explode, he's like, we can't keep doing this. We're missing our kids too much. They're writing every episode and, and, and doing all the work behind the scenes themselves. And actually, yeah, I mean, like TV Land it was airing on TV Land, which was, just, I think, why it took a couple of years for people to kind of figure out where it was and yeah. what it was. Um, and just as it was kind of taking off, TV Land wanted them back for more, but they were like, no, nah, you know, we, not right now. They want to go back and, and spend time. I mean, they have like Can you name a time when that has happened where it was sincere? I No. I mean, if, you know, if we did some research, we could probably find something. But what, Jack I, Parr, I know, walked away. Right. Amazing. At the height of his career. But that was back in the 50s. Ed Schultz, I think, uh, walked away. <laughs> That's right. No, uh, walked away. Yeah. Again, when, when it was spend more time with his family. <laughs> we have to play the Ed Schultz clip of him on the Trump train now. Oh, my gosh. On Russia Today. Because now he's on Russia Today, so he has to be pro-Trump. And now he's Pretty on amazing. the Trump train. Oh, you got Pretty, Yeah, you got to hear it. So he was on with Larry King last week. It, it's oh my something gosh. to behold. Oh, my gosh. We got to stop there. Trump train stops there next. The Glenn Beck Program.
program. Mercury. I want to get to the DHS accidentally, accidentally granting citizenship to 800 immigrants. But uh, for some reason, Ed Schultz's name came up uh, last break, and and we were thinking about what happened last week with uh, Schultz on RT, which is Russia Today. And that's where Larry King is now. Which, by the way, is People the... thought he died years ago. No, he's on Russia Today. Is the propaganda arm... Of the former Soviet Union. Exactly right. This, this is Vladimir Putin's, Vladimir Putin's yeah, television station. Yeah. Okay. So they were on talking about Trump last week. And listen, listen to Ed Schultz. Last night, his comment about the generals being reduced to rubble. He wasn't talking about the military. He was talking about how they've been handled and how they've been disrespected by the Obama administration and how their <laughs> advice falls on deaf ears. And I think that Trump was signaling that he respects the military. He's not going to allow his generals to be reduced to rubble, that they haven't mm-hmm. been respected. Mm-hmm. And it plays in a lot of different arenas. And this huh. idea that he thinks the military's bad and the generals are terrible, I, I think that's a total misinterpretation by the mainstream media. I think it's very easy to understand where Trump is coming from, I think. Now, now, now listen to the response, even from Larry King. Is this the Ed Schultz I knew? <laughs> is, is this the Ed Schultz I knew? <laughs> you know, Larry, I'm not a Trump supporter, but I, uh-huh. I call balls and strikes uh, on this job now. I, I don't oh. give, uh, oh. y- you know, uh, uh, opinions on my show. Uh, I read the news, and I'm, I'm, I'm being a journalist He's here. I, I, I believe that Donald Trump has uh, fixed a lot of things in the way he's presenting himself. I think that the, that the way he speaks wow. and the culture he comes from is being hard to interpret by the mainstream media. See, what is, is that? He, what is that? Wow. Is he being paid by... No, I, I don't know. You don't know? Mm-mm. No, you were about to... No, I don't. No, you were about to... I just have thought popped into my head. There are many things that I believe that I shall never say, but I shall never say the things that I do not believe. Huh, that's an interesting huh, thought. That's okay. what you what were thinking. What a weird that's thought. Were, yeah, I was uh, totally unrelated to that, so I have no idea. Uh, it was totally unrelated to this, mm-hmm. and yet it just popped into your head. Yes, it did. Mm. Huh, that's really weird. I mean, that is amazing. For anyone who sat here and delighted in the idiocy that was the Ed Schultz experience for multiple years on MSNBC. What was Ed for back then? Well, anything progressive, anything Democrat, anything... Anything liberal. Liberal. Um, anything big government yeah, big progressive. Union. He was a big government union yep. SEIU guy. Yeah. However, he didn't support big government SEIU Republicans even back then. It was only Democrats. It was only socialists. That was MSNBC. Yeah. Maybe people like ed mm-hmm. do what the network 
is a reflection of. It's interesting because he was initially <laughs> a conservative talk show yes, host. Yes, he was. And he failed yeah. at that. Yeah. Then he went to MSNBC and he was a hardcore liberal and that didn't go so well either. He failed at that. Well, he decided now to do weekends. he's on Russia. Well, he was promoted to weekends. Right. Uh, then he was demoted back to weekdays. And then he was promoted to his own like closet doing a radio show. Yeah, the, the internet show. Then he's now gone to Russia Today, and he seems to have a whole different set. Now, is he on think. Russia Today, or is he just I don't a know. I don't know. He did have a show, a right? Is he? No, I thought he had a show. On he radio, does. I, no. think he, I think he does. That's what he yeah, was talking he about. I call balls and strikes yeah, remember on he had my show. Be, I he thought he was talking about his him. internet show. Remember his ad with him by the railroad tracks? Yes. Oh, that's right. Yes, he does have a, that's right. On Russia Today. Yeah. Which is worse? Those those journalists that sold their soul to Al Jazeera or those who are selling their soul to Russia and Vladimir Putin? They're both pretty bad. Both pretty bad, yeah. Both pretty bad. I mean, this this is insane. Yeah. This is nuts. These are both well, one is out of business. Propaganda arms yeah. of governments. It'd be like in the forties. Oh. Um, an American journalist doing uh, Nazis this week. W- would that have ever happened? Yes. Do you yes. think it would have? Yeah, oh, yeah. It did, then, right? It did. I mean, it, I, but it did. The, the, um, what was the that? The Father Coughlin thing they always talk yeah. about was essentially that. Father Coughlin, he was... Times. Yeah, at the time, Father Coughlin had set, think of this, one show a week, 70 million listeners. Imagine that. Can you even compare that to anything? A week? No. The number one, uh, I mean. Especially when the population was a lot less, too. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I what mean, is the Super Bowl? 50 million? Uh, no. Well, no, 100, 100 million. That's worldwide. No, that's 120 in America. In America? Okay. Worldwide, it's supposedly a billion. Okay, okay. Um, so. Uh, it's a lot, though. It's a lot. I it's mean, a lot. I mean, the, the number one show now, like, uh, you know, American Idol 10 years ago, at its height, on the last episode was like 20 million. Right. And and that was a nation of 180 to 200 million right. probably at the time. Right. So, so Father Coughlin every Sunday had 70. 40 or 50 share. Yeah. 70 million listeners, which made him very dangerous. And he came wow. in and he was a fan of FDR. He came in on the FDR bandwagon and uh, he was preaching social justice and all of this crap. And everybody loved it, and FDR loved it. The problem was, he was a national socialist. He wasn't a uh, he wasn't an international socialist. He was a national socialist, and so he didn't like the fact that communists were in and around FDR, and he didn't think FDR was going far enough. And he was a national socialist, and so he started following in with the national socialist called what were they called here? The um, uh, what was the name of that group? Bund. Uh, the, yeah, the uh, German Bund. Bund movement uh, the, yeah, or whatever. American Ger- German Bund movement, B U N D. Um, and he started falling in with that, which was red, white, and blue picket fenced, idyllic towns with swastikas. And all over New Jersey and New York. And they had their own train out of, out of uh, P- Pennsylvania Station. It was either Grand Central, I think Pennsylvania. Had their own weekend train with the Nazi flags on it. Mm. And this went on uh, until th- they were discredited. And 
the reason people called me Father Coughlin, and I was like, you don't understand who Father Coughlin was, and you certainly don't understand who I was or who I am. If you compare me to Father Coughlin, he was a socialist and for big government. I'm not. Um, but they called me Father Coughlin, the left did, because he was um, somebody that could gather large crowds, and he would go out, and towards the end, he was preaching that German National Socialism was good, and we should have that kind of socialism, nationalist, socialist, populist kind of things here in America. And because we went to war with Germany, he fell apart, and the church finally silenced him. But he was very popular. He was very popular, and he was he was just. Um, he was like those people who may not have had a problem with Donald Trump. Let's use Ed Schultz. Uh, no, sorry, Donald Trump. Um, uh, Barack Obama uh, liked Barack Obama, but maybe didn't think he went far enough. And we'll switch to another party. And I don't see this happening at all with Donald Trump. But would well, he is kind of switch to another party if it looks like he's an even stronger strongman. And we'll finally get it done for the American people. The label of Democrat and Republican doesn't matter. It's the socialism, the populism, and the nationalism that matter to people like uh, Father Coughlin. And that guy will come. That guy will come. I mean, I don't have the numbers in front of me. Perhaps the news with Ed Schultz at 8 p.m. weeknights on Russia Today is getting those numbers. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know that. I mean... It's probably not 70 million, but probably 60, 70, 65. Like 70 people. How many, how many homes is Russia today in? Oh, I could get I'll, bet you that. I'll bet you in 60, 70 million homes. It's in a lot of homes. And they probably bought access to most yeah, of the cable yeah. systems, but still. Um, hey, how do we do that? Money. How do just... we let... No, but how <laughs> do we... Do, 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 does no one in corporate America have a soul anymore? Does nobody have a soul anymore? They will, they will demonize and block people like us because they claim they have a soul. Mm-hmm. And that yet they will take money from Al Jazeera and they will take money from, from Vladimir Putin. Look at Al Gore. Yeah. A guy who preaches against Al Jazeera and the money. But our system works, right? Because, uh, you know. Al Jazeera gone. Yeah, the system yeah, definitely the system worked. worked. I, I, I will bet you that Russia Today will grow. If Russia Today follows the alt-right, if they start talking about traditionalism, you, you've got to read the stuff from, uh, what's his name, um, Alexander Dugan. You, you start reading this guy. Now, he is, what he's saying is socialism has been discredited. Fascism has been discredited. Uh, communism has been discredited, and so is capitalism. And so there's a hybrid of all of those things, that we bring that hybrid together. And so he's not preaching an old idea. He's preaching an all-new idea. It's the best of capitalism, the best of fascism, the best of communism, the best of socialism, all rolled up into one. That'd be fun. Wouldn't that be fun? And the most important part, the reason why this will work Mm-hmm. is because it is appealing to the to the uh, socialists that want to care for the earth because he's an eco guy. It'll care. It'll it'll cater to those socialists mm-hmm. um, that are on the left, 
and it will appeal to those traditionalists on the right. And because that's what he's doing, he's saying our traditions are being are being taken from us. And how many of us I feel that way? Barack Obama's wife said it. We have to change our traditions. Mm-hmm. That's one of his main messages and that is the lead card on the right. The lead card on the right is your country is being destroyed by people who just want to homogenize everything. I, 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 keep your eye on Russia today. And now this. First it was uh, Japan, Switzerland, then Germany. Now the UK is in the midst of the largest hoarding of cash since Lehman collapsed in 2008. According to a leading British financial analyst, the pickup in the desire of households and firms to hold on to money as opposed to other assets is a worrying signal. Remember right before um, the Lehman Brothers crash, we talked about the velocity of money. You remember that? Mm-hmm. And we had never heard of the velocity of money, and I was, and I was on, and I'm like, look, I just learned this, and this is why this is troublesome. Um, when the velocity of money, you have $5, and you go buy a gallon of gas at the grocery store, then that $5 is spent to buy um, hot dog rolls in that grocery store, to put those on the counter, and then the guy who is selling the rolls, the baker, he uses that $5 to buy more flour, and then that, the guy who sold him the flour uses $5 to go to the movie theater. That's the velocity of money. So that, that, that $5 bill has a velocity, a velocity of four because it's been f- spent four different times before it was parked into a bank. We're getting down to a velocity of zero again. And that's what they're talking about here in Europe. People are starting to hoard cash. When the velocity of money, when somebody has a $5 bill and they earn it and then they park it, especially at home, the economy collapses. Nobody wants to spend anything because they're afraid of what's coming. That's when the government has to say you can't hoard cash. They start going into your bank account and doing negative interest rates. It's a self-fulfilling prophecy. And that's what's happening now. And there was a Harvard uh, professor that yesterday said uh, that we should get rid of all currency except for $1 and $5 bills. Can you imagine that? What are they doing? They're trapping your money digitally. So you can't take it out and you can't hoard it at home. You'll have to use a bank. Now, there's going to come a time when you're going to have to say, what, what, about, what do I do? Please, please, before this goes any further, would you call Goldline and find out if gold or silver is right for you? It's not right for everybody. But it's something that you can actually hold in your hand, and it's the world's currency of default. Call Goldline now, 1-866-GOLDLINE, 1-866-GOLDLINE, 866-465-3546, 866-GOLDLINE or goldline.com. You're listening to the Glenn Beck Program. The Glenn Beck Program. Odds have gone up overnight of 
Donald Trump winning? Yeah, the first time I think we played this game, uh, Donald Trump had two paths to victory, and Hillary Clinton had 1,021. Yes. Uh, currently, uh, Clinton still has 751 ways to win. Trump all the way up to 259 ways to win. Wow, that's so there's a legitimate chance. Changed a lot. Yeah, um, changed a lot. So let me, let's just go through these and here. This is Roger Ailes. He hasn't made any mistake. He's buttoned up, and I can guarantee you Roger Ailes is working with him on the debate. So let, I believe. So let's give Trump anything that's close here, right? Yep. Um, Florida, we'll give to Trump. I think he's got a chance to win there. Yep. Ohio, he's probably the favorite by yeah. a decent margin right. now, so I think we're giving him that. We'll give him uh, Trump also Iowa, which he's pulled very well in lately. We'll give him also Nevada, which is a straight toss-up right now, but he's doing pretty well. Um, and you give him uh, uh, you know, New Hampshire for fun, which leaves you with Pennsylvania, Virginia, Minnesota, Wisconsin, Colorado which he needs to... Colorado, Virginia, give to him. If he wins both of those, yeah. then he wins. Really? Yep. Wow. He needs to win both. I mean, Col- that's possible. And now, all the current, current odds right now, he has a uh-huh. uh, 23% chance to win Colorado and a 12% chance of winning Virginia. All right, take those out. So, so where, those where, out. where does he have the best chance of winning? Best chance to win out of these states is actually technically Wisconsin, where he has a 70, uh, 26% chance to win. You give him that one, though, he still needs to pick something else off, which is... Oh, there's no way he loses Virginia. Jim Gilmore is back to him. I mean, he needs Pennsylvania. Kane is the vice no president. Jim, yeah, yeah. Jim Gilmore has backed that one. I know. The Gilmore power. It's gonna, okay. Gilmore is going to get you, I know. <laughs> but... <laughs> he, he'd need to win one of those states. Colorado, Minnesota, Virginia, or Pennsylvania. All long shots, but possible. Possible. This is... The Glenn Beck Program. Mercury.